Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, I don't know about you, but it sure feels like uh, the week is going by so fast with, uh, uh, not Memorial Day, Labor Day, Labor Day on Monday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life. So glad to have you joining us for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, if you could travel in time, where would you go? Or maybe the more appropriate question would be, when would you go? Do you have a a year or a specific date that you would choose? Would you visit someone from your family? Maybe it'd be a a loved one that passed away many years ago. You'd like to see him just that, that one more time. Or perhaps you'd use the ability to travel in time to visit some historic moment or to try and prevent something bad from happening. You know, the, the kind of classic thing, go back and stop Hitler before ever coming into power. Now, I love science fiction. I've mentioned that on the program before here, and I inherited that love of science fiction from my dad. Almost every night after work, when dinner was finished, he'd sit down in our family room, he'd turn on the television, and every night, among the other things that might be on, it was pretty routine. He would land on whatever channel it was that played the Star Trek reruns. So Captain Kirk, Spock, McCoy, they were regular fixtures in my childhood from the very beginning. And my dad also had shelves and shelves full of these cheap little paperback science fiction novels. And over the years, I've read through many of them. And I think the best science fiction is actually where the author is able to look at some sort of moral or social or ethical issue. But they're able to take that and set it outside of our world, outside of our current time. And they can examine all the different aspects of the good and the bad and the possible consequences, the outcomes of choices that are surrounding those moral or ethical kind of questions, those dilemmas that we might be wrestling with in our own time. And that's where storytelling and philosophy, I think, can really come together in a beautiful way. But there's also nothing wrong with just telling a fun adventure story. And that's, that's usually where a lot of science fiction falls. And there are, of course, many poor or mediocre stories out there in the world of science fiction, but there are some really good fun stories, too. And in particular, I am an absolute sucker for anything that deals with time travel. I I absolutely love it. It's my favorite. Uh, The one that really kind of introduced time travel into uh, storytelling, that's the classic H.G. Wells, The Time Machine. 
And then there are those fun television shows that have dealt with time travel in different ways. Quantum Leap, that was a favorite of mine back in the, what, I think it was late 80s, early 90s that it ran. Doctor Who is another one out there, British television. Uh, There are the action-adventure movies like The Terminator. There's the time loop movies like Groundhog Day, even silly time travel movies like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But one that I haven't mentioned It's been a favorite for so many people for decades now. It might be one of the most fun time travel movies ever made, I think at least. Back to the Future. Marty McFly, uh, he finds himself traveling back in time from his current year of 1985, going back to when his parents were in high school 30 years earlier in 1955. And I guess I can give... A spoiler alert, a spoiler warning right now, but if the movie is going on 40 years old and you haven't seen it, I think that's more on you. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you probably know the basic plot. This movie is so famous, Back to the Future. Marty finds himself stranded there in 1955, wants to try and get back home, but he runs into his dad as a teenager. And when he encounters him, he ends up pushing him out of the way from getting hit by a car, and he changes the timeline of how his dad originally met his mom, and this leads to them falling in love. So then Marty's very existence is in jeopardy because his parents aren't following that that set path. And so while Marty, he's working with Doc Brown trying to get back to his own time in 1985, he also has to get his parents to fall back in love. Not back in love, but he has to get them to fall in love. And everything depends on that. It all hinges on Marty being able to get his mom and dad back together. If they don't fall in love, if they don't get married, if they don't have kids, Marty being one of them, it won't matter about trying to get back to 1985. Marty stops existing. So everything, everything at all hinges on that. Having everything hinge on that one event or whatever it is there, that's something that we experience in many different ways. Most of the stories we love, they all depend upon that one moment that changes the direction of where the protagonist was originally headed. Luke Skywalker, he was originally going to go and help with one more season on the farm. And then all of a sudden, by buying the wrong droids, his aunt and uncle are killed, and now he's off on a different direction. Everything hinges on that one moment. If you love watching sports... In many games, the whole outcome of winning or losing hinges on one play or one moment. If it's fourth down, three yards to go, your team is down by two points with less than one minute remaining on the clock. All the other plays, all the other scores and tackles and passes and runs, they all really just come down to that one play that is going to happen now. If your team can get that first down, if they can make it to within field goal goal range, they have a chance. But if the opposing team stops them from making it those three yards, if they can't get that first down, then there's no hope. It can end right there. It all hinges on that one moment. Now, the church also knows that in the spiritual life, there are things that everything else hinges upon. Things that are so important that in our growth to know and love and serve God, as we strive to grow in holiness, most everything else, it depends or it hinges upon a few key things. And that word itself, hinge, in Latin, the word is cardo. And we get the word cardinal from it. And today we want to look at the cardinal virtues. 
These are those virtues on which most other things in our spiritual life depend. They hinge on these virtues. And helping us look at these cardinal virtues today, our spiritual director for the hour, a regular voice here on uh, The Inner Life, Father Dave Heaney. Father Dave is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He's the pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California. And his latest book is available from Ave Maria Press. It's called Luke 10 Leadership, How to Succeed in Parish Ministry. And Father Dave, glad to have you back here on the program. Uh, I hope I didn't spoil Back to the Future for you. <laughs> no, I did see those great movies. In fact, uh, most of those movies that you describe, uh, they're, they're very entertaining, wonderful, um, uh, you know, diversion but also quite informative, and, and all those movies, uh, Star Wars, even Star Trek, always had great lessons uh, to pass on. Yeah, yeah, and, and like I said, too, that's, that's my favorite type of storytelling, where it looks at some sort of moral lesson mm-hmm. that can be learned. You know, I mean, that, the, the most common one is good triumphs over evil. You know, the, those are the stories we typically love. Um, and when we're talking today about the virtues, about these cardinal virtues, that's kind of where we're looking. We're saying, okay, we want good to beat out evil. Mm-hmm. We, want to be, we want to be virtuous. We don't want to be sinful. So, but to get us started, let's just discuss what a virtue is. What does the church mean when we talk about that word, virtue? Uh, virtue is a very old word, um, and it, and I think, but the ancient understanding and the church's understanding is the same, which is, it's a set of habits, it's a set of behaviors that are deeply ingrained that produce a happy life. Uh, they are a set of behaviors that you've cultivated, that you've practiced. We can, you know, we can kind of categorize them into several uh, different sections, but basically a virtue is something that you have cultivated, you have practiced, a set of behaviors that when you do these behaviors— they produce uh, a sense of well-being, a sense of peace, uh, a sense of happiness. Those are the virtues. So, if that is a, if it's a, a habit, if it's mm-hmm. something that you're trying <clears throat> to get as part of your behavior, that you automatically respond in a certain way, that you don't have to stop and think about it. Developing a habit, it does take practice. We have it, to do it again and again. It's going to take some work or some effort to make it that re- regular habit. And absolutely, and that's what makes it powerful. Because as you say, and you, you really kind of set the scene really beautifully with this idea of decisive moments, whether it's in a sports game or in life in general. And when it comes down to a very, very important moment, a decisive moment, that's not the time to reinvent the wheel. If you have already ingrained habits of behavior within you, then the, the path forward will be fairly automatic, and you will, you will make the right decision. You will do the right thing. Um, you will participate in the right activity that will produce the best result because, um, because of the habits of behavior that you have cultivated. Uh, and, those, and if you have those, if you are a person of a virtuous life, life actually becomes easier. Uh, it takes some time to cultivate those habits, and we do them on a small scale Pretty much every day. I think the key is to, like like with any good habit or any good practice, uh, practice makes perfect. And if we just spend a little bit of time cultivating the virtues each and every day, they become quite deeply ingrained. And in moments of crisis, when it's hard to think and everything is piling in on you, and you know it's all kinds of confusion, 
the virtuous man, the virtuous woman, the virtuous child will know what to do because of that, because of all the homework they did before in cultivating uh, those important virtues. Well, and uh, you used the word there, you know, we do little things to work mm. on it. And that's also another aspect of whenever we're trying to grow in some sort of discipline or we're trying to improve ourselves. Again, if you go back to kind of a sports metaphor, uh, you know, you, you don't start off running a marathon right out of the gate. You train for it. You start small. Okay, let's just run, you know, a half mile today or let's run three quarters of a mile. And okay, you know, we're going to give ourselves uh, three months to get ready to get to work our way up to where we can run those 26 miles of a marathon. Uh, so starting small and not feeling like, okay, we have to get everything and we have to do this in a huge magnanimous kind of way right now. It's okay that yeah, just just take it a day at a time, a step at a time. Exactly. Uh, pretty much everything in our spiritual life, if we do something each and every day, like like exercising a muscle, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Uh, you may not need that muscle for a while, but all of a sudden something happens, something falls over, you have to move it, and right when you most need it, your muscle is strong enough to take care of the work. And so if we practice the, those virtues each and every day, then right at the moment when we most need it, that virtue will come and be our friend, be our guide, and uh, let us know exactly what to do, and and so that things will turn out successfully. The virtues are really are a path to a happy life. Okay, so the, the four cardinal virtues, we have prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, but maybe before we even dive into those, mm. there's also the three theological virtues, and these are the ones that probably people have heard quite often because there's that famous... Uh, part of, I think it's in the 13th chapter of St. Paul's letter to the mm -hmm. Corinthians, the first letter, uh, where he talks about love. Uh, you know, love is patient, love is kind, uh, it does not boast, it is not arrogant. It goes through all these different things, and then he says, now remain these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So we've got these three theological virtues. Do these cardinal virtues and any other virtues that we talk about, do they all flow out from these three theological virtues? Uh, they, they precede the theological virtues, but I think uh, probably a good way of looking at them is that they are complementary. Uh, the, the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, I like to think of as vertical virtues because they are about our relationship. They come from God, our faith in God, our hope in eternal life, and, and the love that we receive from him and that we pass on. So these are virtues that, that arise out of our vertical relationship to God. The cardinal virtues are horizontal. They are largely about our relationships with ourself and especially with, with other people. So both the vertical and the horizontal uh, together, those seven virtues, and they're often put together as a list of seven, um, are extremely powerful. They're very simple. They're not complicated, uh, and, when, and as you come to understand them, you'll see, you know, the wisdom, which is one of the virtues. You'll see the wisdom of how they all kind of work together to make for a happy spiritual life and a happy human life. 
I, I really like that. I like the vertical and the horizontal uh, <clears throat> understanding. I think that's wonderful. Okay, so let's look at these four cardinal virtues. The first one you mentioned, uh, referred to sometimes as wisdom, prudence. Can you help us have a better idea of what we mean when we talk about the virtue of prudence? Sure. Prudence, uh, and I, I do prefer the other word wisdom, although prudence is the one that's usually listed in whenever these things are listed. Uh, but it means wisdom. It means to be able to, to, to have things in the right perspective, to know what is important and what is not. I like to distinguish it between education. Education is just knowing a lot of things. You know, you major in history, you major in mathematics, you know a lot of things. But wisdom is knowing what is important, knowing the right things, uh, to distinguish what's a detail and what's important. People like people who, who can do that, we say that they are wise. They're not distracted by details. They're not thrown off by things that are not important. Um, you know, if you have something really important going on in your life, you want to go to a wise person who will be able to pinpoint just the right thing to know. So that's prudence or wisdom. I don't like to use the word prudence. We certainly can today, but I think uh, people often uh, see that it's too close to the word prude. Right. Uh, which has, you know, other connotations of sexual relations or, uh, you know, kind of excessive modesty. Um, so, but everybody understands the word wisdom. So prudence or wisdom, they, they actually mean the same thing. They mean that, you know, a person who knows just what is truly important. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I'm, I'm glad you made that distinction. One, uh, uh, Father Richard Simon, host of Father Simon Says here, I've heard him mention in the past that knowledge is uh, having the ability to know that the tomato is a fruit, but <laughs> wisdom is knowing that you don't put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> That's a perfect analogy of food. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's, let's move on to uh, justice. That's uh, the next one here. What, what is the virtue of justice? How should we understand that one? Justice uh, is simply fairness. Um, the classical definition is giving someone what is their due. If, if somebody is owed money, you, justice means that you give them. If someone hurts you, they've taken away uh, your, uh, your sense of peace, and so they owe you kind of a restoration of, of how they've hurt you. So justice is fairness. It means uh, giving people what is their due. Um, justice is not that... I think everybody has kind of a common sense understanding of justice because we use it all the time. We deal with it so often in terms of police activity and courts and the law, <clears throat> but it's a it, it it involves so many other areas besides what's legal. Uh, you know, for instance, it's legal to lie to someone, but that's not just. So justice is treating people fairly, with the respect and the dignity that is owed to them, and it's justice demanding justice for yourself, and and practicing justice with others. Yeah, I, I think that one is very easy for most yeah. of us because even from an early age, you know, if, if you're at school in first grade and you're waiting in the hot lunch line and another kid comes and cuts in front of you, what's the thing you're going to say? Well, hey, that's not fair. I was here yeah. first, you know, uh, so that, that fairness, that's, it's just kind of inborn, innate in each one of us. We have that, um, I think, just in our very essence by being mm -hmm. uh, created in the image of God. We know that there is right and there's wrong. There is just and there is injust that surrounds us. And, and it's pretty easy, as, even as a, a young child, to, to pick that out. 
absolutely, absolutely. That's not, that's not fair. That's not right. It's one of the earliest sentences that, that children uh, learn how to speak. Yeah. All right. So uh, cardinal virtue number three, <clears throat> temperance. What do we mean by temperance? Temperance actually in the ancient world was the highest virtue of all. Uh, in all things, moderation. Well, that implies self-mastery, uh, that, you're, that you're not operating on animal instincts, but that you, that you can discipline yourself to not be excessive, you know, in you know, eating, drinking, drugs, uh, pleasure-seeking. Uh, it means um, moderation, uh, having, th- you know, uh, discretion, you know, being able to kind of control yourself. It really, temperance is that virtue that distinguishes us from the animal world, uh, that, that are just driven entirely by instinct. But uh, us uh, human beings, we can look and say, you know what, I'm not going to have three helpings of ice cream. I'm going to have, you know, one or maybe none. So temperance is that ability to have self-control. Uh, and the key word in temperance is always moderation. Um, in the ancient world, uh, the highest virtue was uh, was fr- phrased over the temple in uh, in um, Greece. It was called "In all things moderation, uh, nothing to excess," and that was the mark of a of a cultivated man in the ancient world, and it remains so today. To have that sense of self mastery and and to live a life that's in the middle that doesn't it's not too little or not too much, just just in the right place. Very good. And the fourth is the virtue of fortitude. Uh, what yeah. is fortitude? Well, fortitude is simply courage. Uh, but let's go back to the science fiction movies, especially like Star Wars. You know, you said a really powerful thing in the beginning when you talked about what is a common denominator amongst all these movies is, is our hope that good triumphs over evil. But it's hard for that to happen. The, the heroes in the movie want to triumph, but, they, but it doesn't happen easily. They have to do combat with a dragon. They have to do combat with the Death Star or whatever's going on. Uh, and that takes courage. It's not an easy thing to accomplish. So courage is that ability to do the right thing, especially when it is difficult, hard, or challenging. If it's not hard, if it's not challenging, if it's not difficult you are not expressing courage. It doesn't take any courage to sit calmly in a chair. Um, but if you are, <laughs> right. um, if you're facing something at work, you know, something you have, you want to, you know, challenge your boss or you want to uh, challenge a coworker or you want to, you know, um, reveal something that's going on that's not right, that takes courage. It's not easy. It's a challenge. And so, Whenever we are doing the right thing, when it is the hard thing, that's what we call courage. Our spiritual director today, Father Dave Heaney, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and we're talking about the four cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude, and uh, just kind of went through what they are. We're going to look at how we can live those out, how we can grow in those virtues, and some practical things that we can understand about them that help us to live them out in our lives. What has helped you to grow in the virtues? What have you done in your life to make living out the virtues that kind of habitual behavior that Father Dave was talking about? 
Is there one of the virtues that maybe is really, really difficult for you? It's something that you struggle with trying to live out in your life. You'd like a little bit of help today. That's why Father Dave is here, and our phone lines are open for you. You can call into the studio at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email us, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com, and we'll continue talking about the virtues in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for this hour. Father Dave Heaney, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, pastor of St. Bruno Catholic Church in Whittier, California, and talking about how we can live out the virtues, specifically four of them, the four cardinal virtues today. And those are prudence or wisdom, justice, temperance, and fortitude. And how have you been able to grow in those virtues? What has helped you to be able to make those virtues, living them out, that habitual kind of behavior that Father Dave was talking about? And maybe there is one of those virtues that's really tough for you, uh, it's it's something that you struggle with. Yeah, it's why you can give us a call. Talk with Father Dave right now, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father Dave, let's go back and kind of get a deeper dive into each one of these four. And we'll start with mm-hmm. wisdom or prudence. And one of the things that really struck me is as, you know, going through and kind of preparing this morning, it's called the mother of all virtues. Why is prudence or why is wisdom so important? Why would it have that title of mother of all virtues? Because it's a source. You know, mothers are the source of life. They give birth to a person. And so we use that phrase in so many different ways. The mother of all tornadoes, the mother of all storms, the mother of all this or that. Uh, and it implies that, you know, um, that this is the source, that everything is, flows from that. So wisdom um, is about the decisions that we make, and so much of our life depends on decisions. You know, am I going to live here or live there, marry this person or marry that person, take this job or that job? These are the important things in life, and so they require wisdom to make just the right, uh, the right decision. Because so much of our life is going to flow or give birth, in a sense, to whatever those decisions are. You know, like Robert Frost's famous poem, you know, the road less taken. I took this mm-hmm. road and not that road, and that has made all all the difference. So wisdom is, is frequently called the mother of all virtues because so much flows, really literally flows from uh, the decisions that we make, and we want them to be wise. So just in practical terms, mm-hmm. how do we grow in wisdom? Uh, because some people yeah. that I've encountered in my life, they just seem to be blessed with wisdom, even beyond their years. You know, it's something that they don't seem to ever have to work at. Whereas 
some of us, myself, I'm raising my hand on this. Uh, you know, it's something where I really have to I I have to go back and give careful consideration to things as they come my way and say, okay, what is the best choice? What is the wise uh, decision to make here for the desired outcome? Well, I think you actually hit on something that's very important when you said careful consideration. One of the things that marks someone who's wise is they take time. Impulse decisions, quick decisions, snap judgments generally are not going to be wise. Uh, impulse, impulsive things like that. But, you know, the kind of the, the stereotype is, you, you know, you walk up to the wise person, the long white beard or a wise looking woman, and you ask a question and they ponder and they take a moment and they say, well... I think what you might do in that kind of slow speech, that slow talking implies um, this characteristic of wisdom, which is taking time. Now, there are some practical things you can do. Taking time means that you don't make a snap decision. You don't decide right away. And you, don't do, you don't base it on something illogical. But uh, you take the time, for instance, to consult people that you consider wise. You take the time maybe to do the research uh, yourself. Uh, so I think one common denominator of, about wisdom is this idea of careful consideration of taking time. Now, you can grow in wisdom by certainly studying philosophers. I think studying the lives of the saints, you'll see how did they make decisions or were the kind of decisions that they made. Uh, so that type of, um, you know, kind of a daily habit of maybe reading the lives of the saints uh, can help a lot. Certainly reading scripture, you'll grow from the wisdom of our Lord. But I think the common denominator amongst uh, that starts wisdom is this idea of careful consideration. And then you'll see that, uh, you know, you have intelligence, you have a good mind, and it's going to start to, uh, you're going to start to exercise your mind the way it was meant to be, not with snap impulse decisions, but carefully considering all the options, all the different things. And then, and then, you, then you draw on courage to make the decision and to act on it. So they all kind of float, they all kind of help help each other. Wisdom, courage, temperance, and uh, uh, fortitude. fortitude. Right. Uh, now, the other thing that comes to my mind when I think about wisdom, especially in mm -hmm. light of our faith, I think of King Solomon, this king to whom God gave that gift of wisdom, you know, uh, yeah. making him the wisest of all people ever to have lived. And at the very beginning of the uh, Proverbs of Solomon in Scripture, in that very first chapter, he tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Can, can you maybe just talk for a moment about what it means to fear the Lord and what, the, what it means in this context and how this does lead us into becoming wise? Yeah, and unfortunately, fear is, is actually an improper English translation right. of, a, of an original, you know, both Greek and Hebrew word. It really means awe, to have a sense of awesomeness about God which is really a way of recognizing the difference between myself and God. To not put myself on the same plane, to not put myself on the same, or to supplant God with myself. So it's to kind of put things in the right perspective, which again is wisdom, to say, okay, God is God, you know, God is the creator and I am in the creature. And that distinction is important. So it puts me in the right perspective. I don't think of myself as the you know, uh, as the arbiter of right and wrong, as the book of Genesis tells us that, you know, really only God really knows what is right and wrong. And so we have to learn that from him. 
That's what Adam and Eve did by eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were taking to themselves the right to determine what is right and wrong. And in our human world, if people decide what is right and wrong, then might makes right. Then the strongest person is going to decide what's good or not. So fear of the Lord means awe, means respect, and which is a way of saying, I know where God is and he's above, and I know where I am and I'm down here, and I'm not going to put them in different orders. I'm going to recognize the, the power and the... Uh, and the wisdom of God and, and keep them in the right perspective. So that's what fear of the Lord actually means. It doesn't mean being frightened. Right. It means to have a sense of awe and respect. And as you were talking about that might makes right, you know, having that attitude there, but knowing our place and mm-hmm. readjusting the way we look at that, it, it took me back to St. Paul where he he says the, uh, oh, how does he say it? The, um, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's one that I have just for years and years just kind of pondered over, um, that the things that we look at and say, that just seems foolish of God, it's still wiser than anything that any human will ever come up with. And you know, this is, and Paul was, it really is remarkable for him to say something like that, because he was a brilliant man. Mm-hmm. He was considered the brightest student of the best scholar, Gamaliel in that time. This was an A student. He was very, very bright. And there's really this beautiful passage where Paul goes to Jerusalem to submit himself to the apostles, to former fishermen. (laughs) What a great sense of humility that Paul had, that he recognized the the order, the structure that, uh, that Jesus left. And so Paul, you know, really was a brilliant guy, would actually go to Jerusalem and submit himself to someone who was a former fisherman, really shows the humility and the wisdom of Paul. Yeah, that's a great point, Father. Our our spiritual director today, as we're talking about the cardinal virtues, Father Dave Heaney is a priest joining us today from Archdiocese of Los Angeles. And we're taking your phone calls as well at 888-914-9149 as we talk about those four cardinal virtues, wisdom or prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. And again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. How have you lived those virtues out in your life? How are you working at growing in those virtues, making those virtues that daily uh, choice, that habitual behavior? Again, 888-914-9149. And Father, we've got Michelle who's listening in Lexington, Kentucky. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Thank you. Um, I'm so glad to share this journey, and I will try to keep it brief. Uh, in addition to what you've mentioned, there are, the, of course, the, the seven mortal sins, and I was not technically guilty of gluttony through a variety of circumstances, health problems, etc. I had gained weight. Well, I read a Christian book called The Way Down, W-E-I-G-H, and I recognized the truth in that book, and over a few years' time, I have lost over 60 pounds and kept it off without dieting, without really denying myself anything. And in fact, there was something in that book that really spoke to me. So I laid the book open on my heart and apologized to the Lord for any of the times that I had eaten mindlessly, not truly grateful for his divine providence, which I always mispronounce on purpose. 
because I never want to forget what it truly means. I've had so many people ask me about it, and I said, well, that was just step number one. Then I grew in temperance and wisdom about a different form of gluttony, the desire for things, things, things of this world. Yes, I appreciate pretty and lofty beauty and everything in between, but it doesn't mean that I have to possess it. And now I look around at all these unnecessary objects that are more of a burden than a pleasure, and I wish that decades ago I had grown in wisdom in that department. To test myself, one time during Lent, I opted to wear absolutely no jewelry, even though I'm usually decked out from head to toe. For 40 days, not a thing except my wedding rings. And you know what? I didn't miss them a bit. So all I can do is encourage others, listen for the Lord's guidance. And in fact, he summed up that whole book in two words, be mindful. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to share. I just thank you for letting me um, perhaps inspire some others. Well, Michelle, your, your call certainly inspired me. I think we just heard just the most perfect journey, uh, the virtuous journey that uh, I've heard in a while. And it came from a place of uh, real distress, you know, being overweight, you know, kind of excessively focused on things, on jewelry and whatnot. And, you know, you were kind of going down a river that was just kind of taking you into a wrong place. And you kind of swam to the side, got out on the bank and just did a reevaluation. Said, where am I going? And just did all the right things. And it took a lot of courage. It took a lot of fortitude because none of the things that you did were very easy. Um, But I like. I love how you talk. use the word uh, providence. That's a beautiful uh, kind of uh, new uh, pronunciation that says a lot. Um, but, you know, listen to the way you talked about testing yourself. You said, I'm going I'm to try 40 days without jewelry. That's a really uh, clever and a very wise way of doing things. To give yourself a time limit, I'm going to do this for this amount of time. So you're not saying I'm going to do this forever, which, you know, is very intimidating. And you kind of test yourself, and then you find out that, you, you know, you don't miss the jewelry at all. And that's, I think that's a very, very profound and a very beautiful way of, of seeing, you know, what, is this, what are these things in my life like jewelry? Do I really need them all the time? Am I really possessed by them? And by giving yourself kind of a, 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 kind of a season of Lent, if you will, about jewelry, um, you have discovered uh, the way to a, a happier life. I think that's powerful. I apologize for the lawnmower that's going on outside my office here, but uh, hopefully you can hear. But I think, Michelle, you just really uh, shared a very, very beautiful uh, journey um, that really was, that exemplifies all of the, vir- all of the uh, cardinal virtues in a very, very beautiful way. So thank you for calling in. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, that's exactly where my mind went as I was listening there, Father. Uh, you know, she started talking about well, there was the prudence aspect there at the beginning, but, you know, boy, the moderation, the courage to do this, you know, all of those just came into play there as she was sharing that. And I uh, also want to invite anybody else who's listening. How have you lived those virtues out in your life? 
What, what is your journey that you've been on? And maybe you're in the midst of it right now. And it's not an easy journey. It's something that's taking some work. And uh, you're looking for a little advice on how you can grow in those virtues of wisdom, of justice, temperance, fortitude. And our studio line is open for your call right now, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father Dave, uh, let's pick up in just a moment here and continue talking about the other three virtues and uh, dive a little deeper into those. We'll continue that here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Dave Heaney, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and today talking about the four cardinal virtues and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And Father Dave, let's keep on going through the virtues. We talked about wisdom, uh, justice. We, we mentioned, you know, this is one that's pretty straightforward you know, trying to have that sense of fairness or equality. Um, You know, I think the biggest, in my mind, the biggest problem here is when pride or greed gets in the way, and that can get in the way pretty quickly. You know, there's that classic image of justice being personified as somebody wearing a blindfold. Justice is supposed to be blind, but when I'm the one that's trying to be just, but it's something that impacts me along with somebody else, it's hard not to want to favor myself, even if it's just a little bit. Um, how, how do we? How do you think we can uh, guard ourselves against allowing sure. that favoritism for ourselves? Here's the way of, of looking at justice, and this is something unique about justice from the other virtues. You know, fortitude, temperance, wisdom are, are things that I do myself in a way for myself, to be temperate, to be courageous, to be wise. But justice involves someone else usually. And the way to really start with justice, justice is the virtue that asks us to see the world through another person's eyes, not just my eyes, but just to see the world through another person's eyes. So if I do that, then I will come to understand how this person feels that that I've mistreated them, that I've uh, hurt them in some way. And by seeing the world through another person's eyes is the beginning of justice. Where That will be the beginning that inspires me to make things right. It's not just that I, I know legally I've done something wrong or even intellectually that I've done something wrong. But I've actually felt the impact of my behavior by that sense of empathy uh, and of, of placing myself in another person's shoes. So they can say, oh, you know what, I... I didn't mean to call you that name, or I should not have been gossiping about you, or I shouldn't have done this or that, or I shouldn't have ignored you, uh, because I have a sense of how that feels by having that sense of empathy, and I want to make it right. So justice, um, you know, it, you know, even if someone hurts me, then 
by standing in their shoes, I can I can kind of sense like why would they do that? What was it that made them do that? So that sense of justice begins really with a sense of empathy and compassion, and seeing the world through another person's eyes, and that's how that's what informs you of just exactly what it is that you need to do to to make things right in that virtue of justice. And that sounds like you're kind of going back to. Jesus saying, you know, the second greatest commandment of all, love your yeah. neighbor as yourself. Let yeah. me put myself in your place. Yes, perfect. Uh, I mean, those, of course, you know, it's no accident that Jesus says everything is based on these two right. commandments. And there really is three commandments there, to love God, to love your neighbor, and to love yourself, which is included in that second um, passage. So um, that really is the mother of all verses, we could say. Yeah, right, right. Okay, so let's talk about temperance, uh, just so we make sure we get mm-hmm. these before we run out of time. So we love, as a culture, we love to indulge. Yeah. We love excess. And right now, we're a couple months out from holiday season, and I don't know about you and what your home is like, Father, but at our house, from Halloween on, it's always, it seems like there's always candy or cookies. There's, you know, mm-hmm. pies and rich foods at Thanksgivings. There's all kinds of get-togethers during December. There's gifts. There's all these delicious things to eat. And so, I, I mean, we could nail it down to just how many pieces of pumpkin pie can you have at Thanksgiving dinner while still practicing temperance. But I, I think more seriously, it's okay to have times to celebrate. It's okay to have times of feasting. And even Jesus talks about that. He says, you know, yeah, of course, the, you know, the, the bride and the guests will rejoice and celebrate while the bridegroom is with them. So he even talks about that, that there's a time for feasting, there's a time for mm-hmm. uh, not indulging and not, you know, having that time where, where we aren't doing that. So our culture... How do we get away from gluttony, and how can we practice living out temperance when we're in a season of celebrating? Yeah, yeah and it was Jesus at the wedding feast of Cana who kept the party going. Right, right. By, and by it was wine. not a small amount of wine. I mean, I, I think, <laughs> if, if I remember correctly, it was like over 100 gallons of wine that were— 600. Is that what— it, yeah. I knew it was something huge. It was the mother of all parties. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I think— uh, you know, walking into the Christmas office party or walking into Thanksgiving dinner, that's not the time for the first time to make any type of a of a, a decision about temperance. It's too late. So really, you want to start now. And that's the whole genius of practicing the virtuous life is because you cultivate all of these habits now before you need them so that they become automatic and, and instantaneous so that you're not trying to reinvent the wheel you know, on uh, on Thanksgiving dinner. So begin now. Like this beautiful woman, Michelle, who called in earlier, you know, she she kind of tested herself for not wearing jewelry. It was just, you know, that was completely arbitrary on her behalf. She just started at one time and, and it worked out so well. So if you're worried about the office party, if you're worried about Thanksgiving or the Christmas season, then start now practicing little habits of temperance here and there. I'm not going to have wine tonight. I'm not going to do this uh, have I'm not going to have a sec- second helping anytime this week, something like that. Uh, so that daily practice and small events will work. And here's the other key, I think. If you set up a plan like that and you fail, do not let that derail you. Just dust yourself off, pick yourself up, and start over again. Never look at a failure as a permanent thing. It's just just one time. 
So the key for this holiday season and for temperance in general is start now before the event happens so that when the event happens, your willpower is is strong because of all the homework that you did now. And I'm so glad you brought that up, you know, not to let a momentary mm-hmm. failure to be cause for ongoing discouragement, right. um, you know, to just kind of get back on the horse and try again and uh, you'll be okay. Um, So let's talk about fortitude, about being courageous here. What's the difference between having that true understanding of what the church is speaking about here and maybe the kind of courage that we see promoted in movies or in the news? Well, I think courage for us is, is courage to do the right thing. So, you know, what are we being courageous about is important. Um, and, you know, we, so I think that's the first thing is what's the goal? What's the, what's the end result here? That's different from, like, from, for instance, from being a daredevil. You know, watch me jump off this building. That's not courage. That's kind of foolhardiness, foolishness. So if we have the right goal, if we have the right target, uh, and it's difficult, then, you know, our continuing to do that behavior, to make that thing happen, even when it's difficult, that's courage. So, but it has to be oriented towards, towards a, a good thing, something that's noble. What, what do you think are the ways that we grow most naturally in that? This is one of those where it seems like, well, if, if you're courageous, you're courageous. How do we actually practice being courageous in small ways so that it can be that, that habit in our lives? You know, if you see something, you know, there's, we have this famous phrase in this season of terrorism, if you see something, say something. That means if you see something bad, say something. That's actually a pretty good uh, motto. If you, if you see something good, do it. Uh, you know, don't put it off. Don't, don't let someone else do it. So if you see an opportunity to do something good, do it. If you see something bad, mention it. So in other words, courage is the virtue of action. It's not... We're not paralyzed, we're not inactive, we're not frozen to our seat. So if we see something bad, we react. If we, we do something about it, if we see something good, we do something about it. Uh, so sometimes the courage is just overcoming our own timidity, our own shyness, our own desire to be invisible. Uh, that's not uh, the kind of life that our Lord asked for us. So if you see something good or bad, don't be passive act right courage well and one last thing that i think Mm -hmm. is important to bring up here i think it kind of goes without saying a lot of times on this program but i i always like to go back to it as just kind of a let's let's make sure first things are first all of these things if we're trying to do them on our 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 own and we don't have prayer as that foundation Mm -hmm. we're going to be headed for disappointment absolutely uh and you know, we can draw virtues from, from the people around us. If, we, if there's a virtuous person around us, that example is powerful. Well, there is no better example than the life of our Lord. So, you know, again, that daily practice of reading the scriptures, of knowing what Jesus did, what he said, and what he, uh, and what he did, uh, that itself is a lesson in all, four, all seven of the virtues. So keep that life of Jesus in front of you. Father Dave Heaney, thank you for being our spiritual director today on the program. We've got, oh, about 45 seconds here. Could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour today? Heavenly Father, we ask continued growth in the virtues of wisdom and justice and fortitude and temperance, that we might live the happier life that is your will for us. And so we ask your blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Dave. Always good to have you on the program here. Welcome. And if you missed any part of the program earlier, you'd like to go back and listen as Father Dave uh, explains the four cardinal virtues. Go find the podcast on our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. It's free. You can download it on your mobile device, of course. And I want to encourage you to stay tuned. We've got Father Rocky, who is coming up next here in, oh, less than 60 seconds. When Mass begins, he'll be the celebrant. And he's also going to be joining us tomorrow here on The Inner Life. We're going to talk with him about marriage and how we can have stronger marriages. Hope you join us for the program tomorrow here on The Inner Life. And I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. God bless you.